The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As a authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. One on the left side is Bradley's show from yesterday, so if you didn't get to see that, you might want to take a chance to... Uh, uh, take a listen to that, and that'll be available up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, at which time he will be live in that area right there. On the right side of the page is where we are. Click on the play button, blow it up whatever device you've got, and then look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. We do have some friends over there in the chat this morning. Good morning to you guys. Good to see you. And uh, we are streaming live to Rumble. Our channel is Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live. On Rumble, please uh, subscribe to that channel as well. Uh, and then we're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. Again, thank you to Michael Roach and uh, his team over there for giving us a spot on their platform. Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, be sure to do that. You get that once a day in the evening in your inbox. That includes all of the articles that we put out for the day, including the morning show archive. So anything we talk about on the show, whether it's scriptures or videos or any of that other stuff, uh, that will be available there in the archive. Um, and I believe that's everything. I was going to get my son to give you guys just a little comic relief. Uh, and he did, he, he he sent it to me, but you know how like when you text something to another phone, like a video, it you don't get the quality. It looks like it's done from 1995 or something like that. Um, so I don't have it, but... I'm going to get it, and you'll get tickled uh, at a little boy. He's a little. He comes from the Brown family. He's not a Brown, but he's a he's a Quinn. But he he gets tickled in himself because he's learned to do raspberries. <laughs> if you guys don't know what that is, you ever you ever you ever blew on the belly button of one of your kids or whatever like that, and and uh, it, t- it has tickles. It makes a funny sound. Well, he learned how to do. <laughs> His mama's leg, and it is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. But anyway, we'll see about uh, maybe if you get to see that or not. But I figured it'd be something that would be that put a smile on some people's faces. We, we've got enough bad news as it is. Uh, something good is always uh, warranted. All right. Now, with that said, I'm going to have to get rid of some different windows here uh, because I don't have a guest on today. So that's great. I can uh, open up some other things here. But um, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the, uh, because I didn't do it for the other day, because it was obviously a pre-record, but I am going to open up the phone lines. If you guys, you know, you want to call in, you make a comment or anything like that, you can do so. Um, And I need to make sure that I've got this turned down so that when it rings, then people won't be having their ears blown out. Okay. All right. Now, excuse me. Let me just start off 
you know, again, we play some pre-show music for those of you who don't watch the video channel. We do that for about the first five minutes because uh, the radio station is is doing their advertising and things of that nature. And what we were listening to comes straight out of Psalm 24. So I want to start off with that, and then we'll we'll move into the topic today. This is what it says. A Psalm of David, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Selah. Amen and amen. Now, again, that's uh, you, you've got uh, prophetic significance there of the Christ, the one who would come. And it's interesting when you look in the New Testament, you see uh, people who recognized him even as a baby, that he was the salvation of the Lord uh, that God had sent. He was the promised one. And so it's really it's really interesting when you start to see these things sort of unfold, and that's going to kind of play into some of what we're going to talk about today. By the way, if you do want to call in, the number's on the screen, and this is for those who are listening by way of radio, 803-619-9855, 803-619-9855. Uh, you can call anytime. I see it come up here. I'll I'll bring you right up as soon as I can. <clears throat> but I had a guy last night uh, seem that he had a little bit of, of a problem sticking with uh, what was going on, but somebody put a video in the um, in the Telegram group. It's a lady talking about all this uh, running into some lady, some other lady in the spa or the sauna. I don't know what it was, and this lady happened says she worked for the Department of Defense. She's got it recorded and everything. Anyway talking about all the stuff that's going on, this, that, and the other, and she was kind of freaked out by it. And she says, she gets in there and she goes, the only person who can fix this is Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Uh, that's that's the mentality still, among others. And so I kind of commented. I, I said, only Trump can fix this, and I kind of laughed. He's the buffoon that started the pop shots, right? Still pushes them as climate change tactics were nothing more than a three-card Monty. You guys understand that, right? NAFTA was a bad deal for America. TPP was a bad deal. He shut those down, and then he dumped NAFTA and TPP all in a big mix and served it up to you as USMCA, and everybody thought that was great. Just, just so you know, that's what he did. And he didn't come up with it on his own. No, his handlers already had that stuff in place. And he just pimped it. He's a marketer. If you guys have not seen Bankster's Paradise, uh, it was done by a guy by the name, I think his name is Adam Green. I'll try to have it up in the uh, in the archive so you can see it. We, we went through the whole thing. It was kind of uh, grating on your mind because the whole video is filled with uh, that old uh, Gangster's Paradise music you know, in the background. And so it's a little grating on the mind, but it does demonstrate that he's a marketer and that he's been owned by the banksters for since the nineties. So people who say that he can't be owned and stuff, you're, you're just, you just don't know. You don't know. You really need to watch that and understand, uh, who the man is. So anyway, we got into, um, a little back and forth between me and this guy, Russ, who's saying that, you know, well, there's all this other stuff and, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. And the minute that I showed him that Donald Trump, uh, or when I called this out, he goes, you must be a Ukrainian. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with saying that Trump can't do some some things. So, you know, I, I told him I'm a Christian. I don't support the sodomite agenda. I don't support these other things that Trump is. So, so I'm not going to sit here and and give my consent for him to govern anybody. 
And, uh, oh, you must be a Democrat. Oh, you must be an FBI, CIA shield. The guy never responds to anything that you put him up. So I just, I left him alone. I left him alone. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff we're dealing with. People who are irrational, uh, people who don't think things through. And this goes to the heart of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Now, the title of the show that I gave is uh, Even Mockingbird Media Journalists Are Now Starting to See the Evil. It's really interesting that this would come from Naomi Wolf. Uh, My pastor sent me this yesterday, and we've talked about we've talked about in the past, and we'll read some of these today. But this is a lengthy article. It's at the Brownstone Institute. If you want to read it, we'll have the arch. I'll go ahead and pop this in the archives or in in the archives. (laughs) I'll pop this. Let me get it to where we don't have this Facebook tag on it. I'll pop this in here for those of you in the chat who want to go read it. And there are there's a lot there's a lot of problems in here, but there's also something that strikes me that she is actually seeing some of this because uh, she tells you herself in here that she's a rationalist. You know, she this, she's she's a little Jewish girl who grew up you know learning Hebrew and all this other stuff that she learned, and now she's starting to rethink. The spiritual implications of what's going on, and she talks about in this um, uh, particular article that she's written. She talks about the fact that what happened between twenty and twenty twenty and the present under the convicts, she couldn't explain. Let me let me read just a little bit for you. I'm going to read sections out of this because, uh, again, this is a woman who, you know lack of matter is not very vocal on spiritual uh, spiritual things she said in an essay and in my book the bodies of others i raised a question about existential metaphysical darkness in other words she equates this with with evil i concluded that i had looked at the events of the past three years using all of my classical education my critical thinking skills my knowledge of western and global history and politics and that using these tools i could not explain the years 2020 to the present Indeed, I cannot explain them in ordinary material, political, or historical terms at all. This is not how human history ordinarily operates. Well, it has been. It actually has been. It's just been more localized rather than spanning several continents, right? This is not how human human history ordinarily operates, she writes. I cannot explain the way the Western world simply switched from being based, at least overtly, on values of human rights and decency to values of death, exclusion, or hatred and hatred overnight in mass. Again, I I would point people back to that um, Spielberg documentary called The Last Days, in which those Romanians uh, who had been targeted under the Third Reich. They said something very similar. They said their neighbors changed overnight against them. They turned against them. She says, without resorting to reference to some metaphysical evil that goes above and beyond fallible, blundering human agency. When ordinary would-be tyrants try to take over societies, there is always some flaw, some human impulse undoing the headlong rush toward a negative goal. There are always factions or rogue lieutenants in ordinary human history There is always a miscalculation or a blunder or security breach or differences of opinion at the top. Well, listen, there was all of that during this, too. There was all of that during this, the convicts. But people have become so conditioned to comply that there wasn't this mass resistance the way they thought it would be. Now, there was indeed... A mass resistance, but not the way that normally these things would be. So she talks about this, and she gives an example here um, and her conclusion. She said, Mussolini's power was impaired in his entry to the Second World War by being forced to share the role of military commander with King Victor Emmanuel. Hitler miscalculated his ability to master the Russian weather, right down to overlooking how badly a soldier's stylishly, stylish but flimsy uniforms would stand up to extreme cold. And before he could mount a counter-revolution against Stalinism, Leon Trotsky was assassinated in Mexico City in his bath. 
But none of that fracturing or mismanagement of normal history took place in the global rush to lockdowns. The rollout of COVID hysteria, of mandates, masking, of global child abuse, of legacy media lying internationally at scale, and all lying in one direction of thousands of trusted messengers parroting a single script and a forced or coerced mRNA injections into at least half of the humans on planet Earth, I reluctantly came to the conclusion that human agency alone could not coordinate a highly com- complicated set of lies about a virus and propagate the lies in perfect uniformity around an entire globe in, hu- in hundreds of languages and dialects. Human beings using their own resources alone could not have turned hospitals overnight from being places <clears throat> in which hundreds of staff members were united in and collectively devoted to the care of the, of the infirm the prolongation and salvation of human life, the cherishing of newborns, the helping of mothers to care for little ones, the support of the disabled, to killing factories in which the elderly were prescribed run death is near remdesivir at scale. Also look at the speed of change. Institutions turned overnight into negative mirror images of themselves with demonic policies, replacing what had been at least on the surface angelic ones. Human history change is not that lightning fast. The perception of the rollout of the unanimity of a mass delusion cannot, in my view, be explained fully by psychology, not even as a mass formation. There have been other mass hysterias before in history, from blood libel, the widespread belief in the medieval Europe that Jews were sacrificing Christian children to make matzah, uh, to the flare-up of hysteria around witches in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692, to the irrational exuberance of tulip mania also in the 17th century in the Netherlands, detailed by Scottish journalist Charles McKay in his classic account of group madness, extraordinary popular, popular delusions, and the madness of the crowds from 1841. So with some of this, you get kind of a flavor of where her thinking is going. Now, she references this guy, Jonathan Kahn. You guys have probably heard of this guy. The Har- He wrote these books, The Harbinger. Um, <clears throat> I think there was a follow-up to that or something, too. I'm not sure. But he had done some of these kind of Books he is considered to be a, or he calls himself a messianic Jew. I I, I just don't even understand. I don't understand why you got to why you got to play that game with it. Um, either you're a follower of Christ or you're not, and your pedigree really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. But in any case, one of the interesting things is is, is she was one, if I recall correctly, back in the day in the nineties. Naomi Wolf was one who just belligerently defended the Clintons on CNN. And now she's kind of been moved over to the quote-unquote right, whatever that's supposed to be, and she appears on a lot of more conservative outlets now. Same thing happened with, uh, what was the guy, Dick Morris. Remember that guy? He was with the Clintons, and then what happened? Now he's he had been brought over to the quote unquote conservative side, if you will, and and he's been talking to and you you just kind of go, okay, I mean I recognize who you are and I recognize what you did, and he probably can give you some insights into what was going on on the other side, but but nevertheless, this is where she came from. Now one of the things that she talks about here is uh, an, an idea of Satan, and. Um, she begins to talk about some of this, but let me let me see if I can bring you up to what we're going to talk about because the title of her article is "Have the Ancient Gods Returned." That's that's the title of her of what she's done. Now, in the Old Testament, the understanding of God uh, of the of the title God, it's not his name, okay? It's his title. The, he is the lawgiver. He is the creator. He is the one who set things all in order. And so she uses the term Satan and goes back. And there's some, there's some relevance to the study of, of how Satan is used throughout uh, the Old Testament. And she provides some of that. It's very interesting because, again, this talks about uh, the evil that is not only in the quote-unquote world, but it, it's inside of man. Man needs to be rid of evil. And he can only experience any portion of that in Christ. Why? Why? Because the Bible says that when we're born again, 
when we've received the new birth, when we've received his spirit, we become a new creation. Behold, all things, the old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so that's why it's important that we experience the new birth. And that is something that only God can give us. We can't do it ourselves. So here's what Naomi writes. In the Old Testament, in contrast, the Satan, or Ha-Satan, the accuser, makes a number of appearances, but Ha-Satan is an opponent. Rather than being the majestic villain of the New Testament, and of course of Dante and Milton's characterizations that so influence Western ideas of the devil. She gives these um, <clears throat> instances. She said the way in which the Hebrew Ha-Satan differs from the Christian Satan is important. Likewise, in Old Testament Hebrew, the noun Satan, which occurs 27 times, and the verb Satan, which occurs six times, are often used in a general way. If I Satan someone, I oppose them, I accuse them, or slander them. David uses it this way in the Psalms, those who render me evil for good accuse, that's the word therefore Satan, me because I follow after good, Psalm 38, 21. He then, she then says, if I act as a Satan to someone, therefore I am their adversary or accuser as the messenger of the Lord stood in the way of Balaam as his Satan or his, his adversary, Numbers 22, 22. Or as a Solomon told Hiram that he had no adversary, no Satan who opposed him, 1 Kings 5, 4. So she uses some of this to to talk about how the people themselves become that. So you take that even to the New Testament. What does Jesus do when Peter rejects the gospel? When he says, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be uh, flogged, I'm going to be taken, and I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to rise again the third day. And, and Peter goes, far be it from you, Lord. And he turns around and he says to him, what? Get behind me, Satan, right? That's what he calls Peter. Get behind me, Satan. So you get the idea. So anyway, she gets into... Um, a fascination she has has with uh, Jonathan Kahn and uh, a book that he's written. And one of the things that she references here, it's quite interesting. And again, I'm not holding Naomi Wolf up as somebody you ought to listen to about the scriptures necessarily. But one of the things that's interesting is how she has gone from being what she labels herself as, as a rationalist, to now she can't explain certain things, and she's having to look beyond that. And where does she go? Well, she's go she's going back to her, to her training as a young girl in the, the Hebrew Scriptures. She's not quoting the Talmud. She's quoting the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. Okay? Now, she may quote the Talmud. I don't, I don't know. But uh, <clears throat> all of this is there. So... One of the references that's made is to Matthew 12, and we're going to make some Old Testament passage references as well during our time in this hour. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45. It says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, and seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in, and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so, shall it be also unto this wicked generation. You remember, we were going through Matthew 24 and stuff. He's talking about that generation. It's very clear and the only way you're going to see something in our future is if you've been taught it by somebody, because you're not going to see it in the text. You're not going to see it there. And so he talks about this is the way it is with the generation. Now, he uses a man, and he uses an unclean spirit okay, to convey what he's talking about. But he says, even so, he applies it. Even so, it be also unto this wicked generation. So it not only can apply to a single man, we read about the Gadarene demoniac. Uh, they had chained him up, and he was cutting himself, he was running naked through the graveyard, and Jesus came and delivered him from the demons who were oppressing him. So you get the idea here, and I started to think back to Canaan. And what was going on in Canaan? Why did... 
you know, some people want to want to get on the Old Testament people of God as they come out of slavery in Egypt and they go into Canaan and they go, oh, well, see what all these terrible things they did. They killed men and women and children. I mean, they wiped them all out. They were just they were genocidal and this, that and the other. Well, the first thing is, is God told them to do it. That was the first thing. It was a promise that he made to Abraham hundreds of years before that he was going to give them the land. And then third, the people of Canaan had become a wicked, depraved people. In fact, when you see the law given to the people of God, what does he tell them? He says, be sure to do these things because it's the reason I'm driving out the people before you in Canaan is because they're doing these things that I told that I'm telling you not to do. So he was bringing judgment on those people in a similar manner that he would bring judgment upon Israel when they disobeyed him. God's not a respecter of persons. Did he have to come up with Israel? Yeah. Did he show special favor and mercy to them? Yep. But he also judged them too. Many times for their disobedience and their unbelief. Now you compare that to today in, a, in, in modern America. Compare it in the Western world of what was once called Christendom. Okay? And do you see apostasy or do you see the real faith being demonstrated? And if you don't see the real faith being demonstrated, then what does that mean? Well, you're opening yourself up to these kinds of things. God removes his protection because you're not obeying him. And the blessings are no longer there. There are cursings, followed by more cursings, followed by more cursings that come upon the people. So with that said, let me just give, uh, let me just give a, a, an instance here. <clears throat> Proverbs 30.17 says, The eye that mocketh at his father and despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. Now, I remember years ago, we were going through this, and, you know, it sounds like what you're, what you're going to hear from Jesus in Matthew 24, where he talks about, you know, where the carcass is, the birds are gathered, and the eagles are there as well. So, what's he getting at? Is he talking about real physical, picking out an eye and, and an eagle eating it? Is that what he's doing? Well, it could imply that, but it's more of the eyes, it's more of the idea that this young person is going to be overtaken. He's not going to have spiritual eyes to see. He's not going to have spiritual ears to hear. And he's going to end in destruction if he's one who mocks his father, despises to obey his mother. He doesn't keep that uh, fifth commandment there. If he doesn't do that, his end is going to be destruction, and God's just going to turn him over to it. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that in Romans uh, chapter 1. But we've read many times... In Deuteronomy, exactly uh, what would happen to the people if they did not obey God. Verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And then he starts listing them out for, I don't know, the next 30 or so, thirty or more verses. The curses in their city, the, curse, the curses in the field, the curse in the basket, the store, the, the fruit of their bodies, their, their livestock, what they produce out of the ground. Um, it, it's just, it's incredible because he's just taken the first 14 verses and, and he's uh, presented to them all of the blessings that will come if they will just obey. And as we know, they didn't just obey, and what happened? They received the curses, and they received the judgments that came with those curses, and then they were brought back into the land, and they were given another shot at it, and they still didn't do it. Even going up into the point of Christ, where it was going to end, God was going to cut it off. He'd already given them a writ of divorce, and Jesus had come and said, you, you stone and you kill those who are sent to you, the prophets. And he tells them to fill up the measure of their sin in killing the Son of God, which was him. And indeed they did it. And as a result, what did God do? He came in and just flattened 
Jerusalem. Use the Roman armies to flatten Jerusalem and destroy them and to cut off that old covenant in order to establish the new uh, in which Christ is king. King of the nations, not just king of, of the Jews, king of, the Israel, king of Israel, but king of the nations. So we see these kind of things developing out of Scripture. But what I found interesting, <clears throat> and uh, again, maybe you'll find some of the same things. There, there, are some, there are some issues in some of the stuff she writes here. Uh, but she does talk about our history here in the West, and especially in the United States, of our founding. It's really interesting. Um, she mentions Puritan minister Jonathan Winthrop. And his warning that America's state of being blessed by God will last only as long as we hold up our end of the covenant. Yeah, you, you see, this is part of the problem, and this is a good point that she makes, by the way. People think, well, God's just going to bless us because I asked Jesus in my heart. That's not how it works, guys. It's not how it works. Let me ask you something. Any of you grew up around my time, especially in my neck of the woods, if you're a kid who's like six or seven or whatever, and you've done something wrong, and you need to be disciplined and corrected for that, what happens? Well, if, if you come from a house like I did, um, there's either a belt around where you're going to get your fanny smacked with it, or... You're going to get told, go out in the yard and get me a hickory switch. Now, if you don't know what a hickory switch is, it's just a little thin limb about yay long. And you break it off the tree and you get rid of all the little other buds that are on there. And it's a switch. And you get on your backside or on the, on the top of your back of your legs. And it stings. If, if mom gets a hold of it just right, it stings, right? Well, that's what you would get. You would get correction, right? Well, the same thing happens here, and you see it throughout the Scriptures. If the people disobey God, what does He do? Well, He brings judgment upon them. I mean, you can't go and worship God any old way that you want to. When, when the two guys got excited and they said, they said, we're just going to worship God. We're, we're excited about the worship that's already taking place, which they were doing according to the Word of God. And they went and offered strange fire. And what happened? Fire came out from the Lord and devoured them, consumed them. You couldn't go and, and be in, involved in some of the uh, pagan worship and celebrations and things of that nature. Ezekiel talks about that going in and seeing you know, the, the Spirit of the Lord taking him and showing him what was going on in the temples, what the priests were doing, what the people were doing, the kind of wickedness they were engaged in. And God was going to judge them for it. You say, well, that doesn't happen in the New Covenant because we got Jesus. Yeah, <clears throat> remember Hebrews says there's a worse punishment in the New Covenant. Remember, under the Old Covenant, with two or three witnesses, you know, want to perish under Moses, but in the new covenant, it's of a sorer punishment that's going to be meted out to those who trample underfoot the blood of the Son of God. It's a much more serious issue. And so one of the things that uh, she does here, and again, I, it's, it's interesting to me to see this woman come and write this lengthy article in which she starts to go back and delve into spiritual matters and uncovering why have we experienced this evil, and she does use those kinds of terms. Anyway, this is what she, this is what she writes. It is worth returning to Pastor Winthrop's famous speech and to his invocation of the covenant that undergirded the foundation of America. Here's the quote from um, <clears throat> Jonathan Winthrop: "Thus stands the cause between God and us. We are entered into covenant with Him for this work. We have taken out a commission." The Lord hath given us a leave to draw our own articles. We have professed to enterprise these and those accounts upon these and those ends. We have hereupon besought him of favor and blessing. Now if the Lord shall please to hear us and bring us in peace to the place we desire, then hath he ratified 
this covenant and sealed our commission and will expect a strict performance of the articles contained in it. Oh, he expects us to keep our word, doesn't he? Yeah, he expects us to keep our word. <clears throat> but if we shall neglect the observation of these articles, which are the ends we have propounded, and dissembling with our God, shall fall to embrace this present world and prosecute our carnal intentions, seeking great things for ourselves and our posterity. The Lord will surely break out in wrath against us and be revenged of such a people and make us know the price of the breach of such a covenant. Now the only way to avoid this shipwreck and to provide our posterity is to follow the counsel of Micah and to do... Notice this. Notice what's first. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. The first thing is the thing that's missing now. We have wicked men who are in positions of authority who have not been dealt justly with. We, we've just let it go. And by the way, we're going to have um, <clears throat> Dave Jose on, on Friday, Lord willing, I want to talk about things. I want you guys to have your pen and paper ready because there's this is going to be an action show. It's not going to be a show just giving you information. It's going to give you information, but it's going to require action on your part and my part. And this is what the people have failed to do. They failed to act because they don't know. They don't know how they know they know something's wrong, but they don't know they don't know what their part of it is. They don't know how to fix it. And so God's given us people who gives some practical implications of how we fix things. So anyway, she goes on. This again, this is a lengthy, lengthy article. Uh, I mean, I was I'd, I sat down to to read it last night, and I'm like, boy, this I'm only a, about a third of the way through, or something like that, uh, within just a few minutes of, of my reading. But she goes on, and I love this that she points out too. You know, you'll hear people today talk about the Jews as God's chosen people, right? And they'll point to somebody at a uh, a synagogue, or they'll point to the people in the land of Israel, what's called Israel now. And they'll say, those are God's chosen people. No, they're not. No, they're not. Those people stand against the Christ, and you've seen recently where their government wants to, there's people in their government that want to persecute those who would dare preach the gospel in Israel. They've already been persecuting Christians, we already know that anyway, but now they want to shut it down um, and, and persecute them more if they did, if they even try to preach the gospel. But one of the things that she, she reads here is this idea that the covenant even for the Jews, is something that's, you know, when you read the term everlasting or eternal, she's saying there's there's things that are that are there that talk about that covenant being broken and it being ended, and that's exactly right. Deuteronomy 28 is very clear about that. Leviticus 26 is clear about that. And all through the Old Testament, they're warned about that. Here's what she writes. And again, remember, this is a, you know, lady who's been in the Mockingbird media who's writing these things. I was taught in Hebrew school that we as Jews are forever God's chosen people, but God does not say that consistently in the Old Testament at all. Isn't that interesting? I'm glad she said it, because I've said it many times. There are many times a covenant is mentioned in the Hebrew Bible, but when Yahweh explains that he wants uh, what he wants from his children in Exodus, he is clear that certain conduct is expected from us in order for us to receive his blessing. And <clears throat> she quotes a number of, of passages uh, in her statement here. God established the Mosaic Covenant just after a significant development anticipated in Genesis 15 had taken place the emancipation of Abraham's descendants from oppression in a foreign land. The focus at Sinai is less on what Abraham's descendants must do in order to inherit the land and more on how they must conduct themselves within the land uh, as the unique nation that God intended them to be. 
in order to be God's treasured possession, kingdom of priests and holy nation. Mm, does that sound familiar, guys? That's Exodus 19, 5 through 6. That's also reiterated about the New Testament people of God, the ecclesia, or we under, we translate it as church. <clears throat> what are they called? What are we referred to? That's right, a kingdom of priests and a, a, a chosen and a holy nation. Hmm. Do you see how they go hand in hand? I get people all the time that say, oh, Tim, you, ple- you preach replacement theology. No, I don't. I preach fulfillment theology. There's not two peoples of God. There's one people. That's it. And if you're in Christ, you're among the people of God. If you're not in Christ, you're not among the people of God. Simple as that. Simple as that. Read the book of Galatians. It's very clear. But she goes on and she points out, Israel must keep God's covenant by submitting to its requirements, the stipulations set forth in Exodus 20 20 through 23. By adhering to these and the subsequent covenant obligations given at Sinai, Israel would be manifestly different from other nations and thus reflect God's wisdom and greatness to surrounding peoples. Now, that was true in the Old Testament. Absolutely. But we don't have that old covenant anymore. It's been done away with. It's been fulfilled. We are in the new covenant. And we have a covenant to keep. And the laws still apply. The moral laws still apply to us. It was all those ordinances that were the writings, the ordinances, those things were nailed to the cross. But the moral law continues on. The lawgiver still sits on the throne. The king still meets out punishment for violating his law. It's still there. By the way, if you want to call in 803-619-9855, if you have a comment or you got a question you want to pose, happy to take your call. But one of the things that she points out here is this breaking of the covenant. Now understand, she is not a believer in Jesus Christ, although she writes very well about some of the things as far as the New Testament. But she's not a believer. She's just going from what the things she was taught in a Hebrew school. <clears throat> and I find this very sort of, I find it refreshing that somebody who has been in the position she's been in is actually writing about some of this stuff. But I'm always cautious about it too. Because I don't know what drives it. Uh, I, I'd, I'd love to have her on the show and ask her, okay, what's, what's really driving all this? Are you bothered in your conscience by what you're seeing and you have no, no rational explanation? That seems to be what she's implying in this article here, that she has no rational explanation here. But, uh, but that's, not, that's not the case. What's interesting, too, is she talks about those who are chosen. Very interesting. Because I find many people in the Christian community who don't believe the text of Scripture when it talks about predestination, God's choosing, God's election. They don't believe that. They want to make it about man. Man's choice, man's abilities, man's sovereignty. And she actually talks about some of this stuff in here, which is quite interesting. I think maybe in some ways she gets it better than some some Christians do. But it's interesting because if you're, if you're going to call yourself a Jew and remain in the old covenant practices and stuff, you'll never be able to please God in any of that. Not that you would even when the old covenant was in effect. Because you don't have a temple. You don't have priests. You don't have animals to sacrifice. You don't have any of that stuff. And so what you do is you go and offer strange fire. You take the things that God said should be done a certain way, and now you've reduced them down to next to nothing. <clears throat> I had a Jewish friend. We had great conversations about the law. One of the interesting things was I would often point out to him, he says, you know, we go to uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah, or we go to uh, the Day of Atonement, or we, do, we do all these things, and uh, we have a little 15-minute talk from the rabbi, and all of us are just sitting there going, yeah, can you get on with it so we can go eat some cake? I mean, this is this is a guy just telling me how things work at their their temples. And I told him, I said, it's interesting because I said, God tells you how to how to observe these kinds of things, but you don't do it his way. 
well, yeah, but we don't have a temple. I said, so who authorized you to manipulate it into something else that it's not? And he just, he kind of looked like, well, I hadn't thought about that. And I said, look, I said, in Christ, I fulfill all those things. Why? Because Christ is the fulfillment of all of those feasts. He's the fulfillment of all of the pictures and the types, the temple, the priests, the sacrifices, the, the utensils and the articles in the tabernacle and in the temple. He's the fulfillment of all of that stuff. And if you're in him, you fulfill that because you're in Christ. And he used to just shake his head at me and smile, but that's the reality. Any of you guys ever heard of Dr. Laura? And she'll tell you the same kind of stuff. They manipulate these <clears throat> special days in the, in the Jewish custom or the old covenant custom. They manipulate them to kind of fit them in so they feel like they did right. Where they're supposed to be feasting, they're fasting. Where they're supposed to be doing these things with the animals, they're not. You go, well, isn't that obvious to him? Yeah, it's obvious. Why did God destroy first century Jerusalem? Because he was done with that system. He was done with that covenant. And he established a new one based upon the kingship of his son, the one he set upon his holy hill of Zion, the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen to how she kind of breaks out something. And, and keep in mind, she's trying to understand the evil that has taken place over the past uh, three years. She's trying to understand that beyond mere some men get together in a smoke-filled room with some whiskey and some cigars, and they're they're contemplating all these things. Now, look, I think I'm gonna I'm just gonna tell you, I think men, depraved men, when you put them together, there's a lot of wicked stuff they can come up with. They don't need they don't need entities they don't need spiritual entities to help them along with it they really don't they're just fine conducting their plans the way they want to conduct them and so that's how men can be held accountable for their actions because they're the ones doing them nevertheless listen to what she has to say here and this comes after the passage that we talked about about uh you know god this covenant being the way it is and somehow they're always god's chosen people So he does not say that we are automatically set under his protection forever. That's right. That's right. Rather, he says again and again that if we, the children of Israel, act justly, love mercy, visit the sick, and protect the widow and orphan, and all of those are still New Testament concepts too, then we will be his people and we will have his covenant, his blessings, and protection. He also warns directly himself and also uh, through his many prophets that we can lose his protection by dropping our end of the covenant, a covenant that goes, as all contracts or agreements do, two ways. And God is very clear, at least in the Old Testament, he says in certain places, you left the paths of righteousness, so now I withdraw my protection from you. Hmm. Says that in the Psalms as well. You're going to forsake God, what's he going to do? Turn that nation into hell that does so, right? Isn't that what he warns? Boy, if you're in the U.S., are you seeing your nation turned into hell? If you've, lived, if you've been living in Australia or New Zealand or England or some of these other countries, have you seen your nation turned into hell over the past three years? Yeah, you have. If you've had your eyes open, you've seen it. It's been a long time coming. God is patient and he's full of mercy. We read that in Leviticus 26 of what he said that he would do for Israel. And frankly, when you go, it's three times. Listen, three times in Leviticus 26. And go match these up with what you'll see in the New Testament book of Revelation. Three times in Leviticus 26. He says, if you don't repent, I'll send the judgments seven times more. What do you see there in Revelation? You see three types of judgments. And they come in sevens. Same thing. And God doesn't change the way he deals with nations, nor individuals. He just doesn't do that. But he was merciful for hundreds of years with Israel. I mean, they broke broke the covenant the first day. 
No question about they did they did that. And yet he was merciful to them. So they can't say that God wasn't merciful to him. She goes on and says, and God is very clear, at least in the Old Testament, he says in certain places, you left the paths of righteousness, so I'll withdraw my protection from you. She said, I always thought that many Jews, and indeed the education I had in Hebrew school, alarmingly misread what Yahweh so clearly stated. I was taught that being chosen as God's people was a static, lucky status. All you had to do was be born Jewish. Better yet, to be born Jewish, marry a Jewish spouse, raise Jewish children, light Shabbat candles, go to synagogue on the high holy days, and visit the state of Israel. <laughs> Gosh. I was also taught that God bestowed the land of Israel to the Jewish people unconditionally. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, it, and, and she's picking up on that. This is why I think this is great. She's picking up on these things. He didn't give them that land unconditionally, forever and ever. Did he give them the land? Yep, because he promised it to their forefathers. Did he bring them in the land? Yep. Gave them all the land. We read that out of Joshua chapter 1, and I believe it's chapter 21 as well, where he gave them the land, all that he promised, he gave to them. But part of that covenant is, you got to obey me. If you don't obey me, I'm kicking you out of the land. There's a ton more here that I could read from her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this, you know, I, I've given you guys the link. I'll, I'll put the link in the archive. You can read it for yourself. But she does rec recognize that there was a word spoken to those people in that old covenant by the Lord Jesus himself, which we have pointed out before. Luke chapter 13, verse 31 and 35. And you can see I'm only about halfway down here. I scrolled way down <laughs> to get this. But Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Listen, friends. Naomi Wolf is getting a little bit of light from the Scripture. In fact, that's the only place you can find the light. And Isaiah says, you know, woe unto them if they don't point to the law and the prophets. There's no light in them. So if you have a preacher, and he doesn't want to reference the law and the prophets, which are the Old Testament, if he doesn't want to reference that, if he doesn't want to teach from that and show you the Christ in that, then he's not, he's not preaching the Word of God. He's not doing that. But she's catching a little bit of light here. She doesn't have the fullness of the light because she hasn't embraced the Messiah. She hasn't embraced the one who came that all of those scriptures talk about. All of these references she's made in the Old Testament. It's referencing Christ. What does he say of himself? Luke 24, after his resurrection, he opened the minds of the disciples to understand the scriptures by saying what? Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, they all speak about me. They're talking about me. But she's got enough light to see that the evil going on in the United States and around the world is the same evil that has been working in the world since the garden. She can see that. That's not enough to save anybody. It's not enough to correct the problems. It's like I was dealing with, the, I put up a little atheist post, and I, you know, I said, there is no atheist. There is no agnostic. Everybody knows there's a God. There's a creator. Everybody knows it. It's self-evident. But they suppress that truth and unrighteousness. And I get these guys that think they're so smart, and they come in and go, oh, you know, and they give me all their little things. And I go, Bible's clear. I said, you don't walk up to a house and say, well, this just must have popped out of the ground. Oh, no, of course not. We know men build it. Okay, have you ever met the builder? Have you ever seen the builder? How do you know it exists? You know, you can do the same arguments with them and, and mock them with it that they want to put on those who believe in creation. But the fact of the matter is, is this. The evil exists because we haven't kept our covenant with God. And I'm talking about the people of God, the real people of God. Those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, or at least claim to know him. Because we have not kept his covenant, 
he will be one to forget us. And as... Let me continue on just a little bit on the other side. I'm not going to do it a bunch, but uh, let me continue on the other side. If you want to catch that, sonsoflibertymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com. Bradley be with you at 3, and then Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. Okay, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio and also Missouri Liberty Radio. I, it's hard for me to put that in. I need to just get the radio part out and <laughs> do the other. But I think about this passage here. Again, we often quote a portion of this passage, but I want you to listen to what it says. This is from Hosea chapter 4. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish, with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother." My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, most of us have heard that, right? But do we know the context of what he's, what he's talking about here? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. What's that knowledge of? It's the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of his law. He's specifically going to point the law out here in the next phrase. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. And this is a frightening one. This is just utterly frightening. I will also forget thy children. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. And then look at what happens. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Does that sound like Deuteronomy 28? I'm going to take your blessings and I'm going to make them cursings. They eat up the sin of my people and they set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them their doings. I mean, this is, this is not something uh, that, is a pro, that, is, that, is, that is something to be desired. It's not that at all. And it's incredible, isn't it? And here's, what, here's what's going on. We as a people have forgotten God. We've rejected the knowledge that he's given. And what, what happens? Judgment. Used to not be that way in this country. Used to not be that way in this country. But it is. It is. And here you have this mainstream or this mockingbird media person... And from all accounts that I can read, she's trying to be honest with what, what she's learned and things that have come up. As she references more and more even the New Testament sayings of Jesus in his woes against the Pharisees of the day, the religious leaders and such. But she keeps going back to this thing of, we haven't obeyed God. We haven't obeyed God. We haven't kept his covenant. Now she, again, points to the old covenant and somebody, you know, maybe... If we could get her on the show, maybe we could give her the gospel of that. I know she's probably heard parts of it, but probably not the gospel that calls her, you know, to leave that old system, which is now considered the synagogue of Satan, and to come into the light. That of which the prophets spoke of, come into the kingdom of Christ, embrace the Messiah. I'd love to see that happen, but I'm, I'm thrilled 
that at least she's looking here and she's putting it out to other people because there's a lot of people who kind of look to her, you know, for some kind of knowledge or whatever. I don't particularly like that she's using Jonathan Kahn, but, you know, if God can use a dumbass to talk to Balaam, then he can, <laughs> he can use some of us dumbasses too, right, uh, to do that. So this is the way things are. And unless we realize what we're in, there isn't going to be a way that we can find our way out of it. I do believe God can heal our land immediately, quickly, very quickly, if his people would repent of their wickedness. Not just pointing the finger at, at, the, at the bad guys who are not his people. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. They're living their worldview out. The question is, are God's people living the worldview they say they hold out? And I think that's what Naomi Wolf is getting at it here, is have we abandoned the covenant that we made with God and that God made with us? Have we abandoned that to the point that God has taken his hand of protection off? And I think that's exactly what's gone on in the United States and in many countries around the world. There are some who haven't done that. You've seen some of them stand up. You've seen some of these, some African countries have stood up. Not just against the shot and stuff, but they've stood out against homosexuality. They've stood against other things that are coming into their environment there, and they're saying, no, we're not going to have any of that. And yet, I, we, we made mention of it the other day. We made mention of it the other day as far as what was going on in uh, Uganda and their anti-LGBTQ legislation. They even have still a death penalty if you're going to engage in that kind of behavior. And what's the United States of America doing? Oh, you troublemakers. Ted Cruz, a professed Christian, calls, it an, calls their legislation an abomination. That legislation reflects the law of God. What does that make Ted Cruz? I'm going to tell you what it makes him. It makes him an antichrist. He's got a spirit of antichrist there. Donald Trump, same thing. We heard the video from Richard Grinnell. They'll take the name of Christ and they'll do the exact opposite of what the scriptures teach. And they'll promote that which God says is an abomination. Same stuff. So why do we have the evil coming on us the way we have it? I'll tell you why. Because God's faithful and he keeps his word. Even when we don't. And God's immutable. He doesn't change. And so therefore, he is calling his people to repentance. Turn away from the evil. See the salvation of the Lord. But if you don't, you're going to keep bringing on yourself the curses and you're going to help to bring it upon the nation as well. And one of the things that she made mention out of, again, Micah, to do justly. We've not seen justice in the United States in a long, long time. Many, many, many decades since we've seen real justice in the United States. How can we expect for God to bless us if we won't deal justly? How do we expect that? When we allow those who are breaking his law all over the place, whether it's from the sodomites to the big pharma companies to the banksters and usury and fake money, to the adulterers, to the murderers that sit in the halls of justice and in the places that we have established for governing, how can we expect him to bless that? But we switch it off and we got our TV and we've got our cable news and we've got our music and iPods and whatever else. Our, that's our SOMA. If you've ever read Brave New World, that's our SOMA that we can go to and we can just kind of turn out the reality 
and think we don't have to deal with it and that all will be well. Well, it ain't going to be well, guys. It ain't going to be well unless we deal with the king upon his terms. And his terms are, you must repent. You must repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Why? Because that is the beginning of the journey. And it is a journey. And the Lord will turn our life around. He will turn our nation around if we would but do that. And if he would be merciful to turn us, as Jeremiah says in the book of Lamentations, turn us, O God, and we'll be turned. Boy, I tell you, we, we almost need a national week of fasting and praying. Seeking the Lord more than our necessary food. And crying out to him for real, true repentance and godliness in our lives and the lives of our children and in the life of our nation. Let that be our prayer today and let that be our actions that follow that as well. Guys, Bradley be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then we'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m. bright and early. Talk to you then. See you.